And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we proved once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Hey everyone, this is Achieve Great Things. This is a new podcast, this is episode one. Uh, Our goal for this podcast is to help visionary leaders and organizations create impact through communications. So we're going to have guests, leaders, and innovators from philanthropy, advocacy, politics, government, business, um, with different takes on communications, whether it's the science and journalism or, or research, digital, visual communications. We all know that in this environment, we have to do a better job of, of communicating. Um, so we're going to be focusing on bringing insights and ideas to you, the listener, and and hopefully these are things that um, you as communicators can apply to your, your work and your job and really start using right away. So we really hope you enjoy it. Episode one is going to feature Doug Hathaway, who's uh, the president of, of Hathaway Communications. thought that'd be a good way to kick it off. And then um, we have a couple more episodes we're going to release right away, so there should be three for you to check out. One thing that's really important for us is to get feedback on what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more, of, what you want to hear more of and less of. So please um, email us, you know, send us messages on Facebook, tweet at us. You can reach us um, at podcast at hadaway.com, and you can also um, tweet at us at hadawaycom. C-O-M-M. You can look at us, look us up on Facebook as well, Hadaway Communications. So we hope you enjoy this first episode. Thanks for tuning in. So I'm here with Doug Hadaway, who's the president of Hadaway Communications. Um, founded our company about 15 years ago at this point. Yep. Seems like yesterday. Seems like yesterday. It, there's a lot of talk about what we can do to change the narrative about the issues we care about, whether they be you know immigration or, or other kind of uh, social issues. And, and you have some points of view. Obviously, we have a lot of experience and expertise on it. But let's just start with the term because there's a lot of talk about this idea of narrative change. Um, Tell us a little bit about what that means. Uh, That is a good question. It's a very hot topic. We get asked about a lot. A lot of organizations call up saying we need to change the narrative uh, about lots of issues. Um, And a good example of that uh, is the Ford Foundation, which is actually looking to change the narrative about America. Um, because they felt that there's an entrenched narrative about the country that gets in the way of the kind of social change that they want to drive. Their theory of change is that there are certain drivers of inequality uh, in America and the world, and one of those is entrenched cultural narratives, ideas that perpetuate inequality and get in the way of creating the kind of policy change or behavioral change that leads to a more just and equal society. So that's one way to look at a narrative. Um, And in that sense, narrative and storytelling are very different things. We also get asked to help with storytelling. Um, A cultural narrative is a set of ideas that shape people's worldview. Um, They frame our perceptions of the way things are, and they shape our judgments of the way things should be. And in... um, Many fields of study, that's actually called a meta-narrative. In this context, meta means about. It's the story about the stories we tell. 
So when you hear or read a story about a particular person or protagonist in a particular setting and situation, you'll often make judgments about the people in the situation, drawing on ideas you already have in your heads. Um, that's the moral of the story, and we're always making judgments like that about the world based on stories that we hear. So that's the lesson you take away about how the world works and how, how things should be. So if we want our stories um, to, to win hearts and minds, they need to have a moral or a lesson. And we need to be strategic and intentional about the ideas that we communicate through storytelling. Uh, we need to have a narrative framework to shape and guide storytelling, and we call that strategic storytelling. So like today's political debate um, is a battle between two narratives about what kind of country we should have. What does it mean to be America, to be an American? Uh, what kind of country is it, and what kind of country should it be? Yep. And that's a really important conversation to have. Yeah, and that um, seems to be even more um, polarized or, or, you know, at the extremes now than it, than it has been. So how do we, how do we, how do we change it? Um, <laughs> or how do we overcome that? Uh, that is exactly what the Ford Foundation and has asked us to work with them to do, uh, along with other partners, uh, in this program called American Aspirations. And what we're doing is looking at uh, the ideas people have about the country, the way it is and the way it should be, and also their hopes and their values for their own lives. And how do we talk about what kind of country we are in ways that really connect to what people are hoping for? And what's interesting there, when you talk to people, and we've talked to people from all walks of life, all political stripes, all across the country, and when you step out of the political debate and, inst and instead ask, what do you want for your life? What are you hoping for for your community? You find that there's actually a lot of common ground among people, whether they are Republicans or Democrats or whoever they voted for. Mm -hmm. And that's a good place to start talking about the future and how we work together to make the country work better for everybody. So you mentioned um, the, the American aspirations and that one of the ideas behind that is the idea of aspirational communications, which is, um, I think, one of the main ideas that this, this um, venture was founded on. Um, and you have a lot of knowledge and expertise about what that means and the, the you know, drivers behind it and all that. Can you tell the audience a little bit about aspirational communications for people who aren't familiar? Yeah, that is our term for sort of science-based story-driven communications that are designed to uh, help you communicate with maximum motivating power um, by connecting with people's aspirations for their lives. And that draws from uh, the science of motivational psychology, which says that uh, our attitudes and decision-making behaviors are driven by our aspirations for the kind of life we want to have and the kind of person we want to be, our hopes for ourselves, our community, and our country. And um, that's what really drives people. So starting there, when you want to figure out how to um, change hearts and minds is a really smart place to begin. Mm -hmm. And I think for people listening who th who are thinking, well, you can't just, you know, change the language and, and then, you know, everything changes. You know, there's science behind it. There's an art to it. It's a combination of both. Is there a story that, that you could share that shows sort of aspirational communications in action in, in terms of addressing a narrative? Yes, um, a lot of them. But I think a really good one a lot of people have heard about is the marriage equality movement. Um, which won historic gains, historic victories, um, after losing 
uh, the battle of public opinion and at the ballot box and in legislatures across the country. And we started working on that issue um, on the first day that the highest court in the state of Massachusetts um, declared that same-sex couples could marry in that state. We got a phone call from a legal organization called GLAAD that represented couples in that state. And at the time, the uh, you know fewer than half of the American public supported this, um, and even in Massachusetts. And uh, like I said, we were losing uh, sort of uh, legislative and ballot measure fights all over the country. So the approach we took was to reframe this, is another word people use about changing the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to our audience, which is which was voters, people voting on this issue, and the technique is to start a conversation with them based on their aspirations toward the topic. So here the topic was marriage. So we asked people, what are your hopes for marriage? if you want to get married. Mm -hmm. And overwhelmingly, people said that their aspiration was for lifelong commitment. And in fact, that was the aspiration of the couples who were seeking to get married Mm -hmm. in Massachusetts and elsewhere. So our audience of voters actually shared the same aspiration as the same-sex couples who were seeking to get marriage licenses. And up to that point, it had been about who can visit who in the hospital and legal legal arcane rules and things like that, right? Right. It was framed as a civil rights issue, which is understandable mm-hmm. because it is a civil rights mm-hmm. issue, right? The And that's a civil rights movement. These mm-hmm. literally lawyers. Um, and the civil rights question is the Constitution guarantees equal protection under the law. The government provides marriage licenses to people and should not discriminate against same-sex couples. Uh, and that is exactly right. That's a, that's a legal civil rights framework. Mm-hmm. And lots of sort of progressive-minded, equality-minded people agreed with that. But it wasn't enough people um, seeing it through that frame to win over hearts and minds and really drive uh, toward real legal equality. So um, what that insight about the aspiration of a lifelong commitment led to was a new storytelling strategy. The strategy before was to show couples who didn't have the legal right to get married and all the rights and benefits that come along with that, like being able to visit each other in the hospital, and we tell stories about them as victims Mm -hmm. not being able to visit each other in the hospital. Again, which is all true and uh, horrible, but it's a different story from couples who have made a lifelong commitment to each other, stuck together through thick and thin, and that we should honor and respect love and commitment like that. And people could see themselves in that story. Mm-hmm. And so, what what's the what are the, sort of the biggest challenges to to changing that narrative? If you think about other issues or or just broadly, like what are what are the biggest or what were the biggest challenges for that um, campaign or initiative or or issue that could be applied to others? Um, that's a good question because there are a lot of challenges, <laughs> right? Changing the narrative starts with. Um, framing the issue in a way that appeals to people's hopes, values, and concerns. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can do that uh, through research and so forth. And then it's kind of, you know, you got a new message. Mm -hmm. And then driving narrative change means actually changing coverage in the news media, conversations in social media. And um, in that case, that, you know, that took years, actually, mm-hmm. um, because the movement would, had a certain frame that it used, and people literally had to change 
their what we call culture of communication. How are they talking about this? It took a while for them to adopt a new storytelling strategy and really put the focus on couples and families. Um, and then breaking through. It's really hard to break through uh, the noise mm-hmm. in the media environment mm-hmm. today. Um, and that's a challenge facing everybody. Let's move to the current era because there's obviously a lot of challenges for communicators, people who are trying to use communications to achieve impact. Um, what do you see as the biggest challenges for for communicators like us in the in the current era, um, given technology, politics, and everything else going on? Yep. Um, I'd start with that idea of actually breaking through all the noise. Um, you know, the data changes practically every time you look, but we are all bombarded all day long by messages from all quarters via um, email and texting mm-hmm. and, you know, social media. And it's, podcasts. And podcasts, right, right. Um, this is a good one, though. Yes. This is a good distraction. <laughs> the, um, but that uh, is the biggest challenge, anybody actually trying to uh, connect with people. And what the research and data and experience shows is that what breaks through is what's meaningful. Um, and that, on one level, happens with content. So the content that breaks through and shows up on somebody's screen, we just did a video recently that got uh, 2 million views on Facebook within about two days. And we're all excited because that's like, that's really good result. Mm -hmm. Then when you looked at the data, how people engage with it, um, the vast majority watched the first 10 seconds of a minute long video. Um, That's the world we live in. Most people didn't turn on the sound. So even with a compelling story that was on the issue of families trying to do right by their transgender children. Really powerful message. Yeah, it was. And it was coming at a time when North Carolina was having a big debate about discriminating against transgender people in that state. So there was a lot of attention. I think that's why it broke through and two million people mm-hmm. clicked on it, mm-hmm. which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the reality we live in, um, that a small portion of them will really engage with it. So your storytelling via content and media has to be really good to break through. And then the other thing is to remember that that sort of engagement, meaningful engagement via content, needs to translate into meaningful action. If people are just watching a video and then don't do anything, uh, you might have educated them or inspired them, it's great, but if they don't do anything, there's not much change going to happen in the world. So we need to make sure our communications lead to meaningful action that actually drives some kind of change, whether it's people showing up to vote or, um, as is happening now, showing up to uh, hold their elected representatives to account, like people showing up to town hall meetings. That affects, you know, the representative's behavior. So we need both a meaningful engagement and meaningful action. So a lot of our clients have asked us, you know, what are the, what are the opportunities now in this changed world that we now live in? Um, what do you see as the biggest opportunities for communicators um, hoping to achieve impact? There's no doubt a fire has been lit under a lot, I'd say millions and millions of people who have actually not really been engaged in our democratic process. Um, and that's our opportunity. You see all this organic sort of organizing activity, people with you know, starting a Facebook group that results in the biggest demonstrations ever held in American history, awesome. Yeah. Um, 
but that's a lot of energy that uh, I, in terms of people with ideas and time and money, um, that can be directed toward uh, meaningful action. So just showing up at a rally and expressing yourself is great. Um, and that, sh- that has an effect in and of itself. People see that, yep, Americans uh, are not going to stand by um, and watch the country be steered down a path toward the past. Um, but that has to lead to meaningful action that leads to meaningful change. And so our opportunity is there are tons of people looking to be engaged. And we need to um, do aspirational, strategic storytelling that breaks through the noise and offer them clear ways to connect with organizations that are on the front lines doing doing real work that results in electoral victories or policy change. So one of the things that we want to do with this podcast is have you come back periodically and interview, you know, some of the people that you know, leaders and innovators from philanthropy, advocacy, politics, government, business, and look at the, you know, different angles of communications through those people's lenses. So we'll be hearing more from you as you start having those conversations. But I think that that's a really exciting thing that we are in the midst of planning. Yeah, I'm excited too, because we work with a lot of visionary leaders um, in all those fields you talked about who are on the front lines of on many uh, issues and in different sectors doing really interesting work um, that's making the world a better place. And uh, what we'll do is talk to them about how they use communications to help them achieve those ambitious goals that they're working toward. So if you, um, to, to sort of wrap this up, if you had to leave the listeners with one insight, idea, innovation um, that you want people to think about as they're trying to you know, improve their own communications, um, what would you leave them with? I guess sort of the idea of aspirational thinking. Um, if you've got an issue that you're trying to change hearts and minds about, um, take that approach that I described uh, of taking with the marriage equality movement. Put yourself in the shoes of the audience. Think of that, whatever that topic is, in relation to the audience's hopes and values for their own life and see what kind of story flows from there. Well, thanks for, uh, for helping us kick off this podcast, Doug, and we'll be talking to you again soon. Look forward to it. Thanks for tuning in to episode one of Achieve Great Things. We'll see you next time. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we proved once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope.